0: the whole cast where I try to put a positive spin on the fact that Villa have lost their last three games and look to change that against the team in Tottenham Hotspur looking to beat Arsenal to that last Champions League place and to go through it all with me today I've got Windy from The Extra Inch how are you Windy?
1: Very well thanks mate looking forward to a, a good chat about this forthcoming game
0: yeah, exactly. Let's let's look at Spurs first of all. You're currently sat in fourth in the table, having overtaken Arsenal. Um, you're above Arsenal on goal difference, however, they have played an extra game than you. Um, would you say it's a two way battle for top four now?
1: Um, I wouldn't quite rule out United, uh, but I do. So I've been quite. Uh, bullish about our chances of getting top four for quite a while, uh, even when the of Spurs fans were being deeply negative after a couple of sticky defeats. And then the United game, which felt like a massive blow. I mean, if we'd won that game, it would have changed. It would we be in a very different situation now and I'd feel super, super confident. Uh, and to be honest, I, st- I still feel really good about it. I, I don't think uh, United or Arsenal are in as good a place as we are right now. I think... Conte Conte has been brilliant. He's got us playing good football pretty much since day one. But the last few games, it's gone up a level. It's clicked. It's You can see that his... um, So Conte, the way Conte plays, it's, you know, you pass to, to him and then he passes to him and then he passes to him. It's very much mapped out for the players. You They know specifically want, what he wants to do in every situation. And you can tell that the understanding from them has just clicked in the last few um, games added to that, that we've brought in some new players who, you know, Kulosevsky is the obvious one. He's unbelievable. He's such a good player. Uh, it's just, it's just improved us. And I feel really, I feel really good about top four, to be honest.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Conte and we'll go into him in more depth later on in the episode, but um Looking at Spurs as a whole, you said you're in a really good place. Three games unbeaten now, scoring 10 and conceding just two. Villa come into this game on the back of losing three in a row, scoring two and conceding five. I mean, you know, I won't be the only one from a Villa perspective saying this, that we're quite scared about the game this weekend. And, you know, we, <laughs> we're we not particularly looking forward to it if, if current form goes a long way. How How can you see this one playing out?
1: Yeah, I'm. you know, I'm not some. I'm not an arrogant Spurs fan. Uh, I bet I might come across that way because I'm feeling really good about things. G- generally speaking, I try and be realistic. I honestly think we're in such a good position. We're such in such a good place with the way that this team style is clicking. I don't think Villa will be that much of a challenge. I hope that won't come back to bite me. Uh, I've seen Villa a couple of times recently, and and their current form isn't all that. You know, they don't seem to know what they're best uh, formation is they don't seem to know who their best forwards are I really like Watkins I don't think Villa are getting the best out of him right now I, I think Ings is a good player but again they're not getting the best out of him Coutinho looked really really good when he first came in and it's now like well how's he going to fit into the system uh, how they're going to defend as a team we haven't got those problems we're not we are sort of past that transition and we're now at a, a, a point where every player you know you know what the 11 is going to be depending on availability Every player knows their role. Some of them are playing out of their skins, and I, and I just feel really—I feel really good about every game we go into. It's not—it's nothing personal about Villa. I mean, I, if we we're playing Liverpool this weekend, I'd be feeling good about it. That's how—that's how much my confidence is uh, raised by the recent performance levels, and—and and I say that having watched some terrible football from Spurs over the last two years. You know, the Mourinho period was absolutely miserable and I felt like we were going to lose every game. I genuinely, like even games where we ultimately won, I thought we were going to lose them all because we were playing terribly. It couldn't be more different now. I feel so optimistic about the way things are going.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, I I think you got it spot on. Last time we played, obviously, in the reverse fixtures, we both had different managers, Nuno Espirito Santo for Tottenham and obviously Dean Smith for Aston Villa. So a lot has changed since then. And Conte came in, like you mentioned, and there was almost this weird talk of the media sort of bigging Conte up and saying, well, if he doesn't get it right straight away, then he'll probably just walk away and, you know, he won't be able to get stuck in and get the best out of these players. And, you know, if they don't perform under him, then he'll just give up. Have you seen a different side to Conte that's almost shut them up in recent weeks where he's been able to get out the the best out of his players? And he looks to have you on a really good trajectory at the moment.
1: Mm. Yeah, so Conte Conte's had his moments with the media. I'm not going to lie, he said some things that have ruffled some feathers in the Spurs fan base. Um, he's very straight talking. He's he's an emotional person, and he reacts in the moment to what's happened, like in the ninety minutes before, or you know, even sometimes in press conferences before the game. He he allows his emotions to get the better of him, and he says things which he probably doesn't mean. And I think you just have to take it with a pinch of salt and realize that that's him. That's his personality. That's what he's like. He's been like it at every club, and it's not for me. I'd prefer someone a little bit more um, calm and, and media savvy, perhaps, because I don't really want to feel on edge about my manager potentially leaving. Um, but having said that, I do think he, I do think he understood and understands the job that, that he had in store. I think he's so used to winning that it was probably a bit of a shock to him when he had a, a rough patch and wasn't winning every week. And, and particularly when we were playing two games a week, you know, he's always had a problem historically when he's been at um, uh, teams that have played in the Champions League and he's had to play two games a week. That's been a struggle. And obviously with the COVID-affected season, there was a bit of fixture pile up and we were sometimes playing three games a week and he was obviously struggling with that. And not just the the games, it's the training. It's how you, you know, how much time you get on the training pitch, how many uh, press conferences he has to do it all, it all factors in. And yeah, he had, he definitely had his moments, but now I feel like, one game a week suits us. It's obvious that one game a week suits us. It's the, the extra time in the training pitch has meant that we perfected his methods. The players are recovering properly. They look fit. They don't look so leggy. They don't look heavy-legged from the first minute, which was definitely a problem in some of the games. He's not been a big rotator. So, you know, that's, that has had an impact. Uh, and I and I feel like he's he, he kind of understands what he needs to do and he's getting the results now. And, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I, I don't have concerns about him leaving I, I think he'll he'll want to see the job through to some sort of success be it Champions League you know finishing the Champions League places is, is a start I think he wants more I think he wants a trophy um, I'm not going to say we're going to challenge for the title because Liverpool and City are ridiculous but I think if we can get to a position where we're not far behind and you know if we get a fluke season where both of them fall off, then at least we've, we've kept ourselves in a race. That's the kind of thing that I think he'll want to achieve. And if he can get a cup on top of that, then, then wonderful.
0: How has he changed the mentality at the club?
1: Um, I think the main thing is he's changed the players' self-belief. And, and Honestly, there have been so many players at Spurs over the last couple of years who are clearly good players but just didn't believe in themselves. Um, some of them have left, to be honest. And Lo so I think are good players. Delhi, good player. But they, they lost their self-belief. And Conte obviously decided they weren't the perfect fit for his system. It was going to be too much hassle for him to mould them and sort of change their mentality. So he just took the, the sort of shortcut and got rid uh, and replaced and replaced in some cases. Uh, but there are other players who are still there who... Who have always been good players, now he's made them believe in themselves, trust in themselves, and he's getting much better performances. So Ben Davis has been talking, spoken of quite a lot. Playing left centre back in a back three clearly suits him at this stage in his career. It's it's the position for him. He looks like he's got a lot of self belief. Eric Dyer, who I think has been, if you if you look at the season as a whole, I think he's been our best player this season. I think I'd, if I was going to vote for player of the season now, I'd vote for Eric Dyer. I think he's been magnificent. Complete change, and to be fair, Dia did look um, rejuvenated under Nuno Espirito Santo as well. I'll give I'll give Nuno some credit there for that. But a completely different player to what he was under Mourinho, where we were kind of being asked to defend in our six yard box for ninety minutes. It just didn't suit Dyer. it really didn't. And now you know he's getting a lot, lot of time in the ball to play passes. He's covering in behind Davis and Romero, and he looks really good. Um, I think there are other players. Matt Doherty recently has come in. Suddenly, he's he's playing in a position that's comfortable, and he's trusted by the manager. He looks like a different man. You, like honestly, the weight has been lifted off him, and he's getting goals and assists. It's mad. The difference is absolutely mad. Uh, and, and that is that's what Conte's done. He's he's played players in their best position, and he's given them a sense of self-belief. Uh, even Kane, start of the year, there was all this stuff happening around the attracted transfer. He wasn't getting many touches of the ball. He clearly sort of was losing. Um, I, I wouldn't say losing focus, but I would say again losing losing belief and having a bit of a crisis of confidence, perhaps. And Nuno's just got him the ball basically and said, "I, I want you to have the ball as much as possible and pull the strings and and then also score goals." And again, totally rejuvenated. That's the effect that Conte's had. Truly. Uh, it's the turnaround is remarkable.
0: Yeah. I mean, you absolutely hit the nail on the head there because you've covered about three of my next questions all in one. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that. No, no. So yeah, in the reverse fixture, I remember, I remember talking in the preview playing Spurs. And one of my questions was, is it unreasonable to be considering dropping Harry Kane? Because obviously there was this massive, you know, almost media or about his move to Man City, the media were almost begging for the move to happen. Yeah. Something that we experienced with Jack Grealish and sadly he ended up going, um, you know, Kane started the season and he just didn't look up for it. There were question marks over his head. He wasn't being able to perform whether that was Nuno's style of play or whatever, but you know, in, in recent months, the, the true Harry Kane has almost come out and that's been shadowed by his, his Premier League player of the month recently. And he definitely looks back to his best now. And then moving on, on to Eric Dyer, who you also mentioned, um, you know, Conte, Conte came in and spoke about, I think he said a quote, something like he could be one of the best defenders in the world, which, you know, a lot of people laughed at at the time. And, because he almost had this reputation of as a, a bit of a calamity at the back and a bit of a liability, certainly from a neutral point of view. A lot of teams will have looked at Eric Dyer and pinpointed him as the weak threat mm. in the Tottenham Hotspur side. Do you think that's all down to Conte, the rejuvenation in the Spurs side? Because another one that points out to me again is Ryan Sessegnon, a player who yeah. looks as though he'd almost had his career lost at Tottenham after moving from Fulham and now... Seems to be able to make a real impact when he comes into the side.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's such a shame for Sesayon that he got injured when he did because he was just looking—he was looking back to back to his previous best. And I really, I really rate him. I think he's a good player. Um, yeah, so it's this, so we were just talking about what he's done to change the um, the mentality, and I was talking about self belief, and it's a combination of self belief tactics. So, but the tactics is the crucial thing. You know, playing players in positions that suit their abilities is is so important in football. Uh Conte's come in, totally changed the system we were playing some sort of 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 under Nuno. He's gone to 3-4-3. He's pretty much played 3-4-3 consistently. That we've had a couple of games where we played 3-5-2 uh which actually were really good. Um but pretty much 3-4-3 and it just suits all the players. It sit, you know, it suits dyer so much more to be in the middle of a back three with davis and romero who who by the way is unbelievable i mean uh, you spoke about um conte's quote about dyer being one of the best defenders in the world romero is one of the best defenders in the world he's incredible i've he's in this current form he's the best defender i've ever seen at spurs he's unreal um and like i've you know ledley king one of my all-time favorite spurs players toby adavarad who i think in his peak was incredible uh Romero in his current form, for me, he's he's the best. Um, but Dyer looks so good because he's he's being asked to do things that he's really comfortable. With. He's very good in possession. He's a good passer. He's very calm. Takes his time. Plays p- punches balls into the midfield. Um, that suits him really nicely. Cessignon again, you know, licensed to get forwards um, in the in the wing back positions. They're kind of often. Um creating the width when we've got the ball. So they're stretching the defense, and that suits Esnon really well. He's very good at, at holding a high position and then and timing his running behind. Um, that's that's definitely one of his strengths. Um, and Kane, the, the key thing with Kane, I think, was getting him the ball. Gets under Nuno, it was so scrappy, it was always kind of pressing and trying to win second balls, and then and then transition from there. And Kane just wasn't seeing enough of the ball. He was sometimes getting. Fewer than 15 touches. You've got one of the best players in the Premier League. You need to get him the ball. And we've seen in recent games, his range of passing is just incredible. The more he's on the ball, it doesn't matter where he's on the pitch, the more he's on the ball, the more he's going to create. Um, and, and more importantly than that, get him the ball around the edge of the box and he's going to score goals. And he's done that and he just looks, you know... If not back to his best, then not far off it. Some people have even said that it could be his best ever form because he's kind of evolving as a player. I don't think he's quite at his best ever form, but there's definitely a discussion to be had about it. I think that speaks volumes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I completely agree. Uh, Let's look at the January transfer window, one that's turned out quite successfully for Tottenham. Hmm. First of all, Rodrigo Bentanca, a man who was heavily, heavily linked with a move to Aston Villa at one stage oh, in the window, right, okay. um, it seemed as though Villa were very interested in him. And I think an offer was made to you. Yv- did he come from Juventus?
1: Yes. Yes, yes
0: he did. Uh, I think an offer was made, but that died down quite quickly. Um, and then obviously Kulusevski, the man with the the greatest chant in the world at the moment, <laughs> it seems. How would you rate how they've settled into the squad so
1: far? Really well, really well. I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that Villa had bid for Bentancourt. That's interesting. I think, yeah, I think he'd have fit in well for Villa, to be honest. He's, um, he. I mean, we've needed him to come in and hit the ground running because Skip has had this really, lot like, injury that <laughs> Spurs do this. They announce an injury and they say, oh, he'll be out for a couple of weeks. And then three months later, they're still not back. And that's been Oliver Skip, who obviously is a really talented midfielder who we've missed. Um, and, and Harry Winks was the next one to come in and... I, I you know I don't dislike Winks at all. I think he's a competent player, but he, a lot of Spurs fans are not keen on Harry Winks. They think he's kind of he's had his chances. He's not quite up to it, and he needs to move on now. And as much as I do defend Winks and I quite like him, Ben Tankle is clearly much more composed than the ball. He's got a more. He's got a better range of passing. Um, he's yeah in possession. He just looks way more comfortable, and he's picked up the system so quickly. And him and Huijie just work really nicely as a genuine double pivot it's kind of like um there's just naturally an understanding there that sort of belies the fact that they've only been playing together for a matter of months and then Kulisevsky I mean I don't I honestly don't know what to say about him he's unbelievable he's so good Uh, he's 21 which is insane he you know he's similar age to Saka and Sancho, some of these young players who get really a lot of attention, and rightly so. And you sort of forget it because he plays so maturely. He, he, he knows when to hold the ball. He knows when to release the ball. His finishing is really good. His passing's really good. He played a really fantastic um, uh, ball across for Son to score against Newcastle at the weekend. He links well with the right wing back, Doherty. He fills in at right wing back when he needs to. It's just a very responsible, tactically astute player. Uh, And the system suits him perfectly. So we've got Kane and Kuliszewski often dropping deeper and then Son will make a run in behind to stretch the defence. And as a three, that's a really nice combination. Um, Very, very excited about him, I must say. At the end of the transfer window, I was a bit disappointed that we didn't sign um, players in the three priority positions for me, which were right wing back, Left centre back and striker. I think Ben Davis and Matt Doherty have done a good job, but they're still players we can relatively easily upgrade upon. And Kane, we just need a backup, a genuine backup for Kane because he's got he's got no one backing him up. And I was a bit like, well, you know, Panatta,chi who's our sporting director has has gone to his old club and signed a couple of players they don't want anymore. It seems like a it seems like a cheat code, really. And and he hasn't really sort of filled either of the problem any of the problem positions. But actually, I've got to say in hindsight, I'll take it back. I give him a huge amount of credit. They're, they're both brilliant players, fantastic fits for the team, cheap. I think a c- combined price of about 40 million is what it will be, which is, you know, Premier League terms, that's nothing. That's, for a 21-year-old, Kuduszewski is going to cost us 25 million. He is unbelievable. In, in terms of his expected goals and assists per 90, he's a shade under Son and... You know, Son's one of the elite players in the league. That's, and he's just taken to it like a duck to water. He's incredible. He's such a good player. Um, really, really excited about what what more we can um, hope for from him. Uh, and and like I said, just a great fit for the team as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always nice when a when a transfer turns out better than you expected. Um, obviously, my next question is quite difficult because you don't know where you're going to finish this season. But if you had some expectations for the summer transfer window, obviously you mentioned the three Mm -hmm. positions that you'd like to upgrade. Are there any certain names that you've been linked to or you would like to be linked to? Uh,
1: So so right wing back, um, we have been linked to Jed Spence quite a bit, who is a Middlesbrough right wing back who's on loan at Nottingham Forest and playing... Who hasn't
0: been linked to Jed Spence.
1: Yeah, this is the thing. He's playing so well that basically all the Premier League teams are going to be linked with him. That he will definitely end up in the Premier League. He's that good. Um, so I feel, I feel like I do think he, I do think he's a good option. So the, the the question mark is whether we should go for a more established right wing back who we can trust to sort of throw in there straight away, and he will just immediately elevate us, or whether we go for Spence, who's a bit more of a punt because he's never played Premier League football and he's a younger player. Uh, I'm I'm up for I'm up for taking the chance with Spence. I really like him. And I think if we have a slightly more dynamic right wing back, and this is no criticism, I mean Doherty's really improved. He's he's done a good job, but a slightly more dynamic right wing back will elevate us even further. And I think really, really help. Um I'm I'm up for Jed Spence or even better, Jed Spence and another, you know, and, and then Doherty becomes third choice right wing back and and left wing back i think that's that's the dream that would be a really nice position to be in um uh, back up forward we keep being linked with um Latoura martinez um who i think again is a good player but he he would probably need to play up with kane so i'm not sure how he would quite fit into the three four three maybe would um require a move to three five two so I'm kind of yeah I'm kind of interested to sort of see how that link pans out um yeah I don't, backup strikers is really tricky because you know that Harry Kane wants to play every game <laughs> so you're coming in and it's like you're gonna to have to accept that you're gonna play less than half the games in the season so I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know who will go for uh and then I mentioned left centre back. Uh, A few people have mentioned recently that we should look at Lissandro Martinez from Ajax, who is actually Christian Romero's uh, national team centre-back partner. And I like the idea of having the sort of Argentinian centre-backs in our back line. He's obviously a really good ball-playing defender. You know, playing for Ajax, you'd expect him to be a ball-playing defender, and he is. Uh, I like like the idea of that. He's a good age. He's 24. Um, Don't think he'd cost... A huge, like I don't think he'd cost 50 million, but he might cost 30. Uh, so it sort of depends on where they want to spend the money. Uh but yeah, I mean as much as well as Ben Davis has played, and he has played really well. Again, if you if you if you think of the upgrade from Davison Sanchez to Christian Romero, it's it's levels, <laughs> it's levels. And if we can do the same with Ben Davis, then we're laughing. We've got a, a, a proper defense, you know, that's a serious defense he's talking about then. Um and I'd really like Christian Eriksen back, <laughs> partly for nostalgia. I love the guy. Um, one of my favourite Spurs players of all time, but also partly because he's worked with Conte before. He understands the system. He understands what Conte requires. And I think he could cover a kind of variety of positions. He could cover um, central midfield in a 3-4-3, probably, probably a 3-4-3, definitely a 3-5-2. And he could also cover either of the sort of dual 10 roles that Conte has Son and Kulishevsky playing in. So I'd really like Ericsson in the summer as well. I'm just gonna, That's a really interesting
0: really one. I, I hadn't thought of that at all. Um, you mentioned the Argentina defence. Hopefully you don't go all out Argentina. If you could keep your hands off Emi Martinez, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> before we quickly look at Villa, um, obviously there's West Ham and Manu, both three points behind you with West Ham playing an extra game. Do you think you can? Do you think you can get that fourth spot?
1: Yeah, I feel I feel really good about it. I mean, I think so. We so Arsenal have a game in hand on us, uh, but we have Arsenal left to play, uh, and I, I fancy us to beat. I fancy us to beat them at the moment. I, like I said, I fancy us to beat most teams at the moment. I, I really fancy us to beat Arsenal. If we beat Arsenal, then I feel confident about fourth. I mean, West Ham have done a really good job this year. They're a good team. They're highly competent. They've got good players. And with Bowen back, they're, they're much more dangerous. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if they went on a run now and um, and maybe even finished above United. Um, United are just so difficult to call. They're Jekyll and Hyde team. they have one week, you know, against us, they played really, really well. Uh, and then the next week, they're, they're terrible again. So you just don't know what to expect. They're too inconsistent to really make a uh, have a good handle on. And then the other team, of course, is Chelsea, um, and they're third at the moment. And I think they're—I think there might be eight points ahead of us, but they have got quite a tricky run in. And they did just lose to Brentford, uh, and they don't know who their striker is at the moment. They're sort of playing Havertz up front, and Lukaku's not fit into the 2 system at all. So I—I I wouldn't even completely write off Chelsea not finishing third. I, so I, I do think there's some interest. I think there's some intrigue and interest in uh, the, the top four race. I think there's yeah, it's it's not a straightforward call, but you know, as a as a buoyant Spurs fan at the moment, I do I do fancy us to finish top four.
0: Wow. Wow. Um right, let's let's move on to Villas for a bit. Um It'd be really interesting to get your take on this, actually. Like I said, you played a Dean Smith side last time. Um, from a neutral's point of view, what what do you expect from a Gerard team to what you would have expected from from a Dean Smith team
1: uh, a bit less pragmatism so trying to play a bit more football uh, which i think will suit Spurs to be honest <laughs> i'm sorry to say um i think i mean i think i feel like smith had a really good handle of what he wanted to do and had a had a good handle on the system and it was just the case that for, for whatever reason, the players weren't able to enact it anymore and it was the right decision to get rid of him. But you know, when Villa were playing well, they looked like a well-oiled machine. They, they, everyone understood their roles and it wasn't the most exciting to watch. And it was often you know last year, was just get the ball to Grealish and see what he can do. Um, but even at the start of this year, there they they were a couple of games where Villa played all right and it seemed like it, it might work out. And I thought Villa signed really well, to be honest, over the summer. I was really impressed with the summer transfer business. Um, and under Gerrard, obviously, he's had some good moments and he's had some less good moments. And I think he's still working out what his best system is, what his best team is. Um, Ramsey, obviously, is a really exciting prospect. but He's quite raw. Uh, and, and Villa are playing a system to... Uh, it seems to me that they're trying to play a system to accommodate him at the moment, which I completely understand because he's a he's a prospect. But I don't know. I don't know if Villa are playing their best 11 players, frankly. Uh and i don't know whether that's right i mean maybe Gerard's right to prioritize a system over the best 11 but the results the results recently would suggest perhaps not and maybe they just need to focus on getting their best 11 players out for a few weeks and and seeing what, what what can what they can make from that um yeah i mean i do think if villa come out and try and play too much against spurs they'll get exploited honestly i they'll need to press us uh you, you can't let Spurs play out from the back. Basically, if you if you let Spurs get the ball from the defense into the midfield, then you're in trouble because we're gonna we're gonna get it to Kane, we're gonna get it to Koleszewski, we're gonna find the wing backs, and someone's gonna be running in behind and stretching the defense, and you're gonna be in trouble. So you've got to cut it off at source. You've got to frustrate them. You've got to stop the ball coming from the defense into the midfield, and and force us out wide earlier, early in an earlier phase, and and deal with that um, threat instead. That's the way to play against Spurs at the moment. And I don't know whether Villa in their current state are capable. Um, I mean, as I said, I really like a lot of the players Villa have got. I think Gerrard's a, clearly a very competent coach and it will click, but he probably does need to get to the end of the season, have a pre-season with the team, reshape the squad to, into the squad that suits the system he wants to play, maybe make some difficult decisions on players that, that go out um and and I think they'll be I think they'll be a good team next year
0: Gerard, if you're listening to the podcast then then that's how you beat Spurs this weekend (laughs)
1: um
0: okay last of all I get I get this with everyone um obviously you're very very confident about the game and about Spurs in general if you had to give me a score prediction what what would that be
1: I think 2-0 but a comfortable 2-0 I don't yeah, I mean, I, this is all going to come back and bite me, isn't it? Because <laughs> you know we're going to have a Spurs day where we Spurs it up, and and Villa will be amazing. And yeah, I mean, I do feel, I do feel like it'll be a two-no. I think if if we if we score early, then it could be more than two. Newcastle. So second half against Newcastle, we came out. It was one all. We came out, got an early goal, and then they're chasing the game. We absolutely destroyed them. They 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 left so many pockets of spaces, and you know our players looked confident, and we just cut through them and we, it could have been more Son, Son had a really good chance as well so if if Villa uh, end up chasing the game at any, at any point then I would fear for them uh, so yeah they need to try and frustrate and keep it as, at nil nil for as long as possible and, and, and as I said stop us playing out from the back but yeah I think 2-0 Well
0: let's hope it doesn't turn out like the Newcastle game because otherwise it might be a long car journey back for me um, Before I let you go I always ask one non-football related question and what it, what happens is the people that we have on from the preview previously ask forward a question. And so your question from a Wolves fan this week is the weirdest pizza topping that you like.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm not that into pizza. I sort of Are think you not? Overra- I think pizza's overrated, to be honest. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't that's mind, controversial. I don't, mind. I don't mind it. I don't mind. I shouldn't be saying this because um, one of my podcast uh, co-hosts is Italian and he'll be, <laughs> very ang- he'll be very angry with me for, um, for, for piling on their national dish. Yeah. Uh, weirdest pizza topping. As I, soon I, to honest, I like most foods, so I, I'll, I'll have most toppings. A tuna. Tuna's quite nice on pizza. On a pizza? Yeah, tuna and, tuna and green pepper. I'll take that. Oh
0: right okay and if you had to ask a question forward non-related doesn't have to be food mm. anything give me with your best
1: uh uh oh god i'm on the spot um uh, okay here's one um <laughs> what's the most extreme emotion you've ever felt
0: oh great question that's a brilliant question
1: Going perfect
0: deep. yeah definitely perfect Wow, what a question to to wrap up today's episode. Um, and in truth, this wasn't an easy one recording with the form that Villa are on and the resurgence that Tottenham seemed to be on. It was it was very difficult to get myself hyped and excited for this one. But yeah, who knows? Football's football. Um, that's the reason we all love it. Anything can happen. Once again, a massive thank you to Windy from The Extra Inch for joining me. Make sure to check out their Patreon if you enjoyed if you like what you heard thank you for listening thank you for watching make sure to follow us on twitter at 7500 to halt yeah thanks for watching and hopefully the boys will be talking about a win in the wrap-up